a good evening and welcome to episode three of Betferg 101. It's Friday, April the 14th, 2023. Five days after John Rahm's quite sublime victory in the 87th edition of the Masters. And five days probably after I should have done episode three, but I blame it on the, the flight back from Acapulco. I know, I've clearly not been to Acapulco. It's been a long, uh, it's been a good few years since a bookmaker would uh, lay me the kind of bets that could get there. I think I'd be struggling to get the, the Skegness at the moment. But uh, anyway, uh, enough of that banter. We will, um, I think the best thing to do is start, uh, well, review the 87th Masters and my first two podcasts simultaneously. Um, so what... Uh, Podcast number one, uh, the, the topics, the first topic I discussed was Rory McIlroy. Well, those of you who follow me on Instagram uh, will we'll see the post I put up on, on Thursday, Thursday evening. And it was quite a simple quote, my own quote. The greater the expectation, the lower the performance. Um, quite simplistic, but so true with Rory. Um, what to say? Very disappointing. Um, I I thought he would underperform. I didn't think he'd underperform that that badly. Uh, everything was just off. Um, his, his driving, his iron place, putting, even his body language. He just cut a forlorn figure. And uh, it was strange, you know. That he hung in there he, towards the end of the round and all you know good putts on on sixteen and eighteen to to shoot seventy two and and. Uh, yeah, improved. He even improved his first round stroke average, albeit from seventy two point zero nine to seventy two point zero eight. But you know, in, instead of starting off round two with that that bounce in his step, and he just cut that that dejected figure as he as he looked in in round one and what, four bogeys in the first six holes, and he was out of there. And, and um, yeah, really, really disappointing. Didn't surprise me. He refused to to do the the post round interviews, the the customary post round interviews, and and didn't really surprise me. He's pulled out of of the of the MCI Heritage th- this week, um, but just disappointing, a really really disappointing performance from Rory McIlroy. The second subject I discussed was was live live golfers and and whether there'd be a factor. And uh, I'm, I'm quite happy to say I was I was wrong here. Um, I dismissed their chances. And if, if you look at it on the on the bare face of it, uh, Kepka tied second with Mickelson, uh, Reed tied fourth. It looks like the, the live guys have had a fantastic week and contended from start to finish. Um, not strictly true, though. I'm happy to say I got, I got it wrong. But... Uh, apart from Joachim Neiman, um, who was the only other golfer... Uh, from the live live side of things, were in the top thirty, so they weren't really cited apart from those three. And look, let's be honest. Mickelson started round four ten behind. Not really. I think he can. Well, he certainly looked when he held that putt to shoot sixty five. What a final round it was! He looked like he was certainly. He believed he could win. Still felt he was, he was at least a couple back at that point. Um, Patrick Reed never really nearer. Uh, his, his fourth place finish, but certainly a very creditable effort. But let's talk about Brooks Kepka. Um, Brooks Kepka is a guy that I've admired for years. I I backed him several times in 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 majors, profitable. I backed him three of the four majors he won, and 
Uh, back to him this time last year, but injuries and, and what have you, I think that those injuries led to him making that hasty decision to go to live, um, some would say. But look, it, it's once again proven Kepka, he really is a major animal. And when he's fully fit, he could be really interesting. Um, he's been the, the real the real positive take out this week. I mean, Ram's performance was magnificent, but Kepka, what he achieved, and it's been very magnanimous. Yeah, he's a bit of an edgy character, makes... He's been talking about Cantley's slow play, but he was very magnanimous in defeat, very complimentary about John Rahm, and rightly so. But but Kepka can take a lot of. And look, um, I dismissed the, the the live guys because they didn't think they'd last the seventy two holes. And to be fair, Brooks Kepka very early on in in round four, his driving completely unravelled, and and he was beat midway through certainly the back end of that front nine. But take nothing away from Brooks Kepka. He surprised me this week, and, and I shouldn't really be surprised from, from what I've seen this guy. He, he, he's a winner. In, in the post-Tiger Woods era, um, certainly if Tiger being competitive in majors, let's forget the 2019 miracle. Um, but, but really in the last 10 years, Kepka has been that kind of real winning force. I mean, he's, he's won... Four of them, uh, and he ended up won a couple of other tour events. He just peaks himself from ages, and I think this could be, you know, providing he can stay fit, this could be the stepping stone again to more majors for Kepka. So, yeah, Liv, happy to say I was probably too quick to dismiss their chances. Um, but I've, again, I've, I've discussed that only four of them were in the top 30, in fairness. Tiger Woods, um, what can we say about Tiger? I, I was very quick to dismiss his chances. Um, very accurate there. I said he'd do well to make the cut. And, and fair play to Tiger. Let's talk about making the cut. 23 consecutive cuts made. And didn't he battle superbly? Um, but it, it clearly took a massive toll on his body. And, and when when they started round three, he played on the 10th and he was seven over through seven and hit in the front bunker. It looked like a tricky situation. Um, on 17, when they his eighth hole uh, of round three, when they blew the horn... And, and suspended playing, and again, we 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 won't know. He's very, he never makes excuses, and I think that the extent of those injuries are far worse than we th- we thought really at first. Um, we don't know. He looked at the limping. He looked in a lot of pain, and I think again, I can only praise Woods for for his efforts. How long he'll keep going, um, really, only he knows. But I think it's it's it would be dreaming to suggest he's he's going to win another another major um, and he's only said he's, he's there to, to win so it's a matter of time but look it, having him there he, he's still a, a massive massive draw and, and the fine heart that he shows again got nothing but admiration for Tiger Woods weather the weather was the fourth topic um, and, I, and I certainly talked in podcast no, episode two of what I thought the advantage would be the early late tea times, but if you look at what Kepka did, I think the advantage was indeed late early. Um, and uh, yes, it, it became very wet as I as I intimated, made it very long. And all the bombers, you look at the the the, the top few: Rahm, Mickelson, Kepka, Spieth. Reed's not overly long, young, um, for Gala. But but in between all those players, Russell Henley, the guy I I I certainly talked about in episode one, said I'd be strongly considering and did rule out of my ultimate staking plan, certainly for the Bet 101 staking plan. Uh, I just felt it would be too long, but goodness me, did he play fantastically well and was 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 certainly in the hunt. Um, 
until the early stages of the back nine. And, and uh, he, along with many others, the, the, the challenge kind of disintegrated just when it got started. It, it's, it was amazing, isn't it? Spieth kind of just challenged, but just made too many mistakes. Uh, Cameron Young, Hovland, Fagala, Scheffler. I mean, Scheffler, let's talk about him. Six and seven, I think the, the missed putts on the sixth and the seventh in, in the final round were just synonymous. Um, with the entire week for Scheffler. Um, but uh, yeah, let, let's we, we'll talk a little bit more about him in, in due course. Uh, and actually, we'll go on to that now. How many, that last topic in podcast one, how many could win? I very boldly, and some would say outrageously, said only four could win. Um, and they look, I didn't just pick the four market leaders. Yes, Ram and Scheffler were two of the, the three main market leaders, but Xander Schofle and, and Sung Jae Im weren't... weren't uh, Went up there. Um, they might have been in the top fifteen, twenty, but but there were fairly bold shouts to say only four could win. Um, I said Scheffler. I think he he played great, tee to green, but he just couldn't buy a putt. Um, tied tenth, very credible effort. Um, John Rahm, look, what what can we say? Double bogey at the first hole, um, then proceed to rattle off nine birdies in the next seventeen holes. Joint led after round one. Uh, said he didn't get the best of the weather, so playing a little bit of catch up from then, got himself in that that final grouping for round three, and um, I think he did really well in terms of just hanging in. He, he looked very dejected, seemed to be misreading and misjudging some of some of the putts, and and to shoot seventy three and then just get it all together for for round four. I think you know you've got to take your hat off. He he was a very worthy winner. Maybe flattered slightly by the four-shot victory. Certainly, if you take his, what happened on, on the last, the 72nd hole, incredible drive. How on earth he ended up with four there. But I certainly think it was good value for at least a two-shot victory. Um, so, yeah, credit, credit certainly to uh, to, to Rahm. Uh, look, Xander Schofle, tied, tied 10th. Uh, yes, frustratingly, we only had the eight places. Um, and tied 16th for him. So, look, those four guys who could win... You know, one did win. Uh, two of them finished tied tenth, and the other tied sixteenth. So uh, I think, uh, well, I know that's a, it's a very creditable effort. Um, right, let, let's just briefly talk um, about. Just want to mention the the show flay bet because what you what you might not know uh, is, is how to calculate uh, things like that in the event of dead heats. So. Take Schofle, say we had backed him 10 places, okay, um, with, with Paddy Power. He tied 10th, so what you do, how many did he tie with? He tied with three others, okay? So there's four people effectively occupying 10th spot. So you go to your stake, in this case 15, you divide it by four, which leaves you £3.75. Go back to the actual odds, so 25 to one, so you divide that by five. Uh, so you do 3.75 times five. And then you plus your, your original state money back. So effectively doing £3.75 times six. Um, and that would return £21.50. So you'd still lose money. This is the thing about when people dead heat and tie for, for places. Um, very often you're losing money. But clearly we would have got uh, a return there. So uh, without further ado, what did the £101 yield last week? Well, um, so we how we calculate this. John Rahm, £20.00 times eight um, is 160. We get our stake back. Um, okay, so that becomes 180. We then go to the place part. Uh, 
eight divided by five is 1.6, effectively 1.6 to one. Times 20 is 32, plus your stake of 20, which is 52. You add that to, to 180 and you get 232. So um, the profit and loss, well, we, no loss, 232 pound return minus the 101 um, stake is a profit for our first first lot of betting of 131 pounds. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty pretty happy with that. And hopefully some of you guys followed and and are happy too. Uh, I say I'm happy. I'm happy with the Betford 101 performance of the week. I'm not overly happy on my personal personal betting. Uh, <laughs> Taylor's kind of bad beats. Well, not bad beats, but certainly just bookmakers. Sunday morning, uh, my first bet of the Masters was going to be Brooks Kepka. Yes, from what I was saying about the live guys, certainly a little bit of tongue-in-cheek about not having a chance. But I... I I was very interested with, with Kepka, what he was doing in in that live event, showing some kind of form. And I looked at the odds and, and fifty to one with one bookmaker. I won't mention it because um, I don't think this bookmaker is alone in their outrageous um, behaviour, certainly towards some of my accounts. Um, the, the this is a fairly new account, okay? No links to previous accounts. Uh, I, I don't believe, but I tried to have a decent bet, decent bet on it. Um, and so Kepka, 50 to 1, loaded the bet slip, tried to have the amount, um, sp spun around, referred to trader, came back saying, stay too high, please try a lower amount. Okay. As I went to try a lower amount, the odds had immediately changed. Not to 45s, not to 40s, not to 35s, 33s. Okay. This price had been 50 to 1 for at least a week. And within a few seconds of me trying to have Decent bet at 50s, it get cut to 33s and I don't get a penny on. I mean, some bookmakers, you know, lay a bet, change a price, might kind of offer you half your bet. This is just outrageous, just a straight refusal of the bet. Try a lower amount, tried it, but obviously in those few seconds, some automated system would cut the... Cut, uh, look, it's just the way these, these bookmakers operate and we'll talk more about that in due course. Uh, what else? Well, Ram 8 to 1 on the Betfog 101. When I took to really lump on, the, the odds have gone 15 to 2. And I, I again, betting's all about value. And, and I I really struggle when prices move, especially when they just move. And uh, yeah, I had a decent lump on, but frustration's got the better of me and I didn't have as much as I wanted. So that, that was irritating. In play stuff, my goodness me, I, I posted on Instagram one of the bets. It was just when they were resuming um, on on Sunday. It was the seventh hole. I think Ram had, well, certainly the bet 365 trader. Didn't believe he had 12, 13 feet looking at the price, but he certainly had. Definitely moving from left to right. Uh, I, he would be guessing about the, the green pace because it'd been, he'd certainly struggled, Ram, in, in those, in the first six holes of, of round three in the previous day. And, and, I think it was wasn't certain what the the pace was going to be. Um, Kepka had a I think a fifteen footer, never anywhere near. Ram um, Julie goes and nails this thirteen footer, but there's no way it was it was a pick. There was no way it was a pick and price. Um, and and I would have I would have had that at least two on um, to miss a, a two to one to hold the part. So I'm backing it at four to five. I was happy to, but. Again, and there was another one in, in, in the final round. I think he had 15 feet downhill at three. 
I think three six five went eleven to ten. Um, eleven to ten, the par. I was just goodness me, how can it be? And and which would have been the two putt. Sure enough, he cans it. But look again, you can only go on what you believe is the price. And and for my money, um, both were were palpably wrong. Both lost. But hey, um, the real kicker. <laughs> Okay, we talked about Woods and my admiration for him, and look, I can totally understand why he withdrew. But I, uh, I backed him. And wanted to see. I really did think it was going to be a struggle playing all that golf and and uh, the conditions, and thought his body wasn't going to stand up to it. So when he was one over through, he started on the tenth of round three, and he was one over through two, and I could see how long the thirteenth was playing, and and uh, he wouldn't be able to get up until on fifteen. In fact, all these things in, and I thought, you know, there's a fair chance he's going to have a shocker here. Um, I looked at the the, the multi three six five of this kind of multi round score. Uh, it was like seventy three, seventy four, seventy five, seventy six, and seventy seven or worse was five to one. I thought, look, there's a real chance he's going to shoot a shocker. Sure enough, he loaded doubles. Um, he's seven over through seven. Trouble on, on 17, uh, he's in the bunker looking like making bogey there, which would take him on course for 80. And I, was, no, I couldn't see any chance, even if the conditions improved a lot on, on when they res, when they were going to resume because they, they called a halt to play um, when Woods was on the 17th. And, and sure enough, uh, said it was, he, he, he really struggled somehow to, to, to get 77. 76, he'd have to shoot four birdies um, and no drop shots and that point for the bet to lose. Sure enough, pulls out. Bets uh, states that should a player withdraw, bets void. So, look, it was just, yes, look, I did win money. Um, I won't talk too much. It's crude to talk, but yeah, I won a decent amount of money. But from the angles I was coming out and the way I was calling it, it was a frustrating week, shall we say. Um, so, penultimate thing, um, a few people have been asking, do I think, uh, was it a good result for the bookies? Well, clearly, as you know, I don't work for one anymore. Um Look, Rahm would have been heavily backed uh, in general, uh, along with Scheffler and, and Rory. So the win part w- would have been not great. But now with bookmakers, uh, with with all these competitive prices, I mean, back in the day, you were just paying four places. Now we know that Betfair Sportsbook were playing an outrageous, generous 12, 12 places. And, and when you start getting into the, the realms of, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 places, the... the the place book certainly becomes overbroke. Look, I'm talking technical jargon. We will address these things in in all these episodes, but don't want to bog us down too much now. But but uh, the place uh, look who those golfers occupying the places would determine whether it was a good week. Uh, I think Mickelson would have been largely unbacked. Similar with Kepka, Spieth would have had his fancies. I don't think Reed would have had much money. Henley, despite me mentioning it, uh, he might contend. He would have been virtually friendless. Cameron Young might have had the odd backer, similar with, with Hovland. Fagala, I don't think he'd have had too much. And then Scheffler, this is the key. The, the Scheffler, Fitzpatrick, Schofield, Morikawa were tying for 10th, but all those places have been diluted. So despite on the bear, well, looking at it on the, on the as I said, on the, on the bear image of things, I think Ram, yes, it would have been a bad win part, but I think overall wouldn't have been a bad result for those bookmakers. Which these days is it's never a good thing, is it? Um, right. So last thing, uh, what am I going to do? I am going uh, at this weekend. So we're, we're Friday night. At some point this weekend, World Snooker starts. Uh, I was going to preview. Actually, I was going to say uh, lead you on there since so one of my favourites event, the sporting calendar. I'm going to preview. 
uh, not the Grand National, you'd be pleased to know. Uh, anybody could um, do a tipping podcast on the Grand National. Well, that would be, well, goodness, be mind-blowing. Well, it's not going to be the Grand National. Uh, it will be one of my favourite uh, events on the sporting calendar. It's a long event. It's a 17-day marathon. Starting tomorrow morning, it is the World Snooker Championships. Um, won the single most amount of money in my life um, in the 2021 World Championship when Mark Selby won. Um, yeah, an incredible victory there. And one of those ones where you, weird in sport, certainly a sport like that, I, I just couldn't see how he could lose. Um, at that point, became, you know, really turning himself into the... Uh, the mar- the man to beat over the marathon uh, format, and uh, he he's had his his own issues, certainly mental health issues. He's been quite happy to talk about, um, and he actually looks like he's he's back to his, his some kind of like his best form in the last month. Whether he can, whether he's up to to seventeen days is an, is another matter. But I'm going to be previewing this. Uh, I was in Sheffield for the the final qu- rounds of qualifying on Wednesday, um, watching. The, the eight matches taking place, uh, I love that. The, you know, I, I don't get a buzz on watching people suffer. Okay, and that really is um, putting through players in the middle. Graham Dot was saying that he lost to Matthew Sell. I saw in an interview so saying it's the most sickening thing to play and he hates it. Like the, the amount of pressure. Nobody, it's just the one, you don't care how you play as long as you win. And, and uh, you could see some of the shots being missed, the calibre of players missing the shots. It, they would never miss, certainly in practice and in ordinary events. But there's a lot on the line. The point, the ranking system with the structure of the snooker at the moment, and not that many matches, not that many calendar, not many fixture lists and, and tournaments. It's it's really all on this event. And, and you could see that. Certainly felt for Mark Davis. My goodness me. I don't know if you guys know the story, but he had to win. Uh, otherwise, he was going to lose his status on tour. And he... You know, did incredibly well um, to 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 win his his penultimate qualifying round, um, and then he's facing Joe Perry, who coincidentally is probably his best friend on tour. He needs to win to to keep his playing privileges. Um, he's nine eight up. Perry does well to get back to nine or to force the decide. It's first ten, and. Perry builds a decent lead, but Mark Davis comes back um, with, I think, a 54 break. He's he's The colours look to be on the spot. Certainly the black wasn't on its spot, but all he needed was green, brown, pink, blue. They were all on the spots. He's misjudged um, getting on the, the blue, which is, has left him a little awkward on the pink. I say a little awkward, a shot he'd expect to, to pot 94. Eight times out of a hundred, I reckon. Um, it's all he needed. Um, misses it. Perry needs pink and black. The black's a little awkward. He's potted a good pink and and got on the black and he's hit it to the the, the top corner. Gone in and you could see him kind of hugging Mark Davis in, in consolation. So, those are the emotions of sport and and um, makes betting very very trivial. As I said, you know I'm not here to champion the course of betting, but to try and give you guys an insight and some winners along the way. So hopefully in episode four, um, I will... Well, I also extended an invitation um, to a, a very famous snooker player who's now turned pundit um, in a conversation and extended an invitation. I've asked him to listen to the to the, the opening two podcasts. 
and see what he thinks, whether he wants to be involved. So uh, I will either be uh, joined by a very esteemed uh, sporting legend, shall we say, certainly a snooker legend. I, I believe a sporting legend. And um, if not, you will have me on my own again. Or uh, we'll have somebody else who, who knows his, knows a little bit about snooker and can and can hold hold fort and hold hold court with me, and we can we can unravel some stuff. But I've certainly got a, a good few leans on on what I think is going to happen, and that will form Betferg One Hundred and One, Episode Four. So this is a wrap on Episode Three. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, a little review of the Masters, my thoughts, uh, analysis, etc., etc., and uh, onwards and upwards. See you for Episode Four. Take care.